Good morning. Merry Christmas again. I hope it has been a Merry Christmas season for you so far. Uh, I like that Christmas is a season. You know, it's not just a day, it's a season. And, and, and I like uh, most things, as far as I can remember, as far as I can think about, I like most things about that season. Um, I think my favorite part, though, about the season is that many times throughout our lives, the reality and truth of Christ gets lost in the shuffle. And this has been one of the good things about uh, over, the, over the years, the explosion of Christmas. Uh, we are confronted for a season uh, with the truth of Christ, even though there are many days in which we don't think about that, or at least the world in general doesn't think about that. And so I like that, uh, I like that Christmas is a season. I, too, like Brian, have gotten good gifts before. Um, I've gotten some really bad ones, though. You've probably gotten some bad gifts before. You ever open something and think, you were clearly thinking about someone else when you got this? I don't even know. I'm, I'm trying to, you got to work on the face, right? It can't be a face of disappointment. Rarely is it a face of joy. It's just kind of neutral, kind of a confused-looking, thank you. You know, and it's always, you know, if it doesn't fit, you can return it. Okay. I'm just going to throw it away. That's what we're thinking. No, I didn't cry. I didn't cry, but if anybody, you know, I mean, I, you know, I saw this. Butternut squash shower curtain and thought of you. You know, really? You thought of me? This can't be right. That's okay. I'll just, I'll just get rid of. It. Sometimes though, it's great gifts, and I, 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 and I don't know if a lot of people don't don't take me up on this. Okay, people have said, you know, you're hard to shop for. If you're shopping for a guy, look, you need, to, you need to just do this. Walk into Lowe's, Home Depot, Menards, you can walk into any electronic store, shut your eyes, pick something off the shelf. On Christmas morning, whoever you're buying for is going to open that, this guy is going to say, you know what, I could use this. Okay? Don't overthink this. It's literally happened to me before. I could really, I was looking for one of these. Butternut squash seed pack. That's what it was. Sometimes, though, we get um, we get we do get tremendous gifts. I think wonderful gifts. And yet, even then, we may say to ourselves, "I'm not your guy. I'm not. I'm not the person for this. You must mean this for somebody else because because I don't have the ability. I don't have the time." I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the strength. I, I, this, is, this is not for me. This is somebody who's, who's, who's into this, who's used to this, who's, who's got a lifestyle and a way that this suits, that this works for. Sometimes wonderful, wonderful gifts can come to us, and, that's, and that can be our reaction. 
a wonderful gift we're going to find out came to Mary today. And we get to see her reaction. I wonder if there's anything we can learn. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the love that you've given us. We thank you again for love displayed during Christmas, but, but, but during our whole lives as we encounter just uh, many, many times in which we, we notice your grace being poured out, your mercy being shown. Father, we thank you for this moment, this time. We do recognize this time right now, Sunday morning, right here as a gift that you have given us. And so we thank you for that. Father, we ask that today as we look at your servant that we might learn, that we might learn from uh, uh, the, the, the hardship and challenges that come along with some of these tremendous gifts, but also the proper response. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Now, last week we were in Matthew and we looked at Joseph's first Christmas. We looked at Christmas from the perspective of Joseph. And today we're going to look at Christmas from the perspective of Mary, this first Christmas. And, and today talks about the, the delivery of the message from Gabriel to Mary about the Christ child. And so I get it. It's not exactly Christmas Day, uh, but it's, it's in the zone. Christmas is going to be pretty soon after Mary gets this message. Sometimes we hesitate, as I've already alluded to, we hesitate to say yes. We hesitate to accept. We hesitate to move on a tremendous gift because we don't have a proper perspective of who we are. And today I hope we see who we are and that we can take on, we can accept incredible challenges seeing them as gifts. A couple of weeks ago we mentioned in one of our services and one of our messages that we underestimate what God can do through us. We underestimate what God wants to do through us. And, and, and there's very few people, church, I'm telling you, there is very few people who get to this place and this point where they can say yes. They can wake up every day and they can say yes, not through pride and strength and arrogance, but through their belief, their faith, their submission to Jesus Christ. I was talking to Robin Ricks. He's the pastor there at Christ our King. And he did a message on that one time, saying yes. He said, I just resolved one day to wake up every morning. And in my prayer time, he said, I said, yes, I'm going to say yes today, whatever that challenge is. And so we see a challenge presented to Mary, understanding who she is. Chapter 1 in Luke, verses 26 and 27, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, this is a relative of Mary. Uh, They know each other actually quite well. Mary spends time with Elizabeth and at Elizabeth's house. And Elizabeth is about to, or fairly soon, going to give birth to John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the man that that, uh, Jesus refers to as the greatest man born among women. But even those who accept the truth of Christ are even greater than John, Jesus goes on to say. But Mary, or Elizabeth, is about to give birth to John the Baptist. Six months 
Six months after Elizabeth was, is pregnant. Six months after she was given this wonderful news. Now, since Joseph and Mary are not yet wed by the time she gives birth to Jesus in Luke chapter 2, we can assume that John and Jesus are pretty close in age. Probably six months, if, if, if this is the time of conception for Mary. But, but in that range, six, seven, eight months. But all of what follows now, all of what follows is told or is done, the decision is made, bear in mind, before Joseph is told. We looked at this last week. Everything's going to be put in motion. God's going to make his sovereign decision, his choice, before Joseph is even told. And so we found out that God choosing Joseph was a good choice. He opened himself up to this obedience, this submission to God. So God sends Gabriel to the backwater town of Nazareth to deliver a message. Nazareth was no great metropolis. It wasn't known all over the map for great things. You're probably familiar with the first time Nathaniel hears about some, the Messiah coming from Nazareth. He says, what good can come out of Nazareth? There's little towns around here, around Logan County, that, that aren't particularly spectacular. They exist. We live in them. That's about it. That's, that's, that's it. That's their list right there. And it was kind of the same way with, with Nazareth. Gabriel is sent. There's a couple places in Scripture we see Gabriel. <clears throat> we see Gabriel here. We see him a few verses before when he delivers a message to Zechariah about John the Baptist. We also see Gabriel in Daniel. As Daniel is looking at the end of days, as he is prophesying and, 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 and having these things revealed to him about the end of days. And I like this introduction of Gabriel in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel writes this, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I'd seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. And so this is the messenger God chooses to talk to Mary. The messengers that talk to us may not be angels. They may not be in angelic form. They very well could be. We know that. We know that work is done through angels even today. But this was an important message. There's only two angels mentioned by name in all of Scripture, Gabriel and Michael. There's only four if you count fallen angels, Lucifer and Apollyon. I mean, you don't see too many. So if Gabriel's here, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. We need to sit up. We need to pay attention. It's a big deal. And to whom did he come? To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Why Mary? You ever ask that? We're going to ask this actually next week. And so maybe I'm jumping the gun. We are going to ask the question, why shepherds? But why Mary? Well, there's a couple of things that Mary needed to be, and, and all of these things had to line up. They all had to be in motion at the same time. Mary needed to be of that time, because that was the time, the moment, the place in history that God chose to reveal His Son. That rules a lot of other people out. Had to be of that time. Had to be from the line of David. And so far as we know... Mary is from the line of David, but at the very least, she had to be engaged to a man that was from the line of David. 
so that Jesus could inherit that line and that title. And she needed to be a virgin woman. Mary fits the bill. All that is true. But here's where we get really to the crux of the message. Let's not forget one more thing. Verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, Gabriel is about to drop a very serious message, a revelation, a challenge, and a charge to Mary. But he begins this by saying, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, if you know anything about the presentation of angels anywhere in Scripture, he's going to follow that up with, don't be afraid, okay? That's going to come. You know that's good. I don't care if you've never read this story before. You know this angel's going to say, by the way, don't be afraid. That's coming. But this certainly narrows the field a bit when it comes to working, living, acting, submitting, and carrying out a wonderful challenge, choosing Mary. Mary is highly favored. Now, this may be a perspective of Scripture that you're not used to. You ready for this? We are tempted. We are tempted to think that Mary is highly favored, and for that reason, God is with her. Because that's how we've read it. That's how we've thought about this many times. Now, look, there's nothing uh, to, to demean the character of Mary. Mary certainly is unique in history, being the human mother of Jesus Christ. And by the way, there's a lot of people we see and a lot of characters we see throughout Scripture. Mary tends to jump out at us because of the practices of various denominations around the world. When you think about Mary and Joseph, when you think about uh, the disciples, the 12 disciples of Jesus, when you think about uh, the the work that they did in the New Testament uh, as apostles and so forth, and, and, and many of these characters, the patriarchs of Israel and all of these things, They are to be honored by us. They are to be honored. They were the ones that paved the way for us to come to know Jesus. They were the instruments God used. They are to be honored. They are not to be worshipped. Okay? They are not to be worshipped. They are not to be thought of as greater than human. They are not to... And and again, this this is a... I, I, the only reason I bring this up is because we're talking about Mary, and, and this is a, a, a very tempting practice in some uh, denominations today and also in some of the things that we may hear as we go through history and go through our lives. They should be recognized, they should be honored, they should be respected because of the things that they did, the submission that they gave to God. Um, there's a lot of bad things they did too, if you read through Scripture. We're going to see that next year, actually which is coming right up. Uh, But they should not be worshipped. We don't worship people. We don't worship angels. You don't worship anything that's created. You worship only God Himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In fact, when John's recording the revelation of Jesus, there's an angel that presents it. And John begins to bow down to this angel. And this angel jumps all over him. He says, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't worship me. What are you talking about? You're crazy, man. Don't worship me. You worship Jesus only. You worship God only. It's just something to remember as we go into this. Mary is a very special person in history. 
but not one to be worshipped. In any event, we're tempted to think that she is highly favored, and for that reason, God is with her. She is blessed, that is fortunate, among her peers, though not necessarily considered blessed by everyone. And she must be unique in history even before becoming the mother of Christ, and that's why she becomes the mother of Christ. This is what we're tempted to think. While I agree that she is unique in history, the translation is, you who are highly favored is you who are accepted by God. You who are accepted by God. In fact, Paul uses that line describing Christian men and women, those who have accepted the truth of Jesus Christ. Paul uses that same terminology in Ephesians 1, 5 and 6. He predestines us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Which he has freely given us in the one he loves is translated word for word, for word by which he has made us accepted. You see, God is telling Mary, I've got a challenge for you. And I've got a challenge for you because you're accepted and loved by God. Now, if we think of it that way, there's not a whole lot of difference between Mary and people in this room who have given their lives to Jesus Christ for the work of Jesus Christ, the mission of Jesus Christ. There's not a whole lot of difference between Mary and those who are loved and accepted by God today. Those who are given this special purpose special mission, a special charge in life. There is no difference. Now, we saw that Joseph was a righteous man, and Mary is no different, but they are accepted by God. We consider in history Mary is highly favored. Do you see yourself as highly favored? You see, this is why I think we, we balk at some of the challenges given to us by God. I think this is why we balk at some of these gifts that God gives. And say, you must be thinking about somebody else. This is clearly meant for another person because I'm not highly favored by God. According to the word of God, you are. In fact, according to his own apostle, Paul, that's exactly what you are. Highly favored. Highly loved. In fact, favored so much that Jesus, a God and King, the God and King, died for you. It doesn't matter what anybody else says to you. You understand that? It doesn't matter what anybody else says to you. You are highly favored and loved by God. And so He is going to present you, if we're lucky, He's going to present you with challenges in life, with missions to accomplish, that first mission might be right here, might be internal. He's going he's to present you with wonderful things on the front end that look very, very difficult and very, very hard. But he's going to present them to you because you are highly favored. Because you are accepted and you are loved by God. Last week we asked the question, would God choose you? I got news for you, he already has. He already has. This is the beautiful symmetry of this, of this, of this story of these of these people coming together with Joseph and Mary. Next week we look at the shepherds. 
the right time, the right place, the right person. It's a fascinating story when we see it all come together like this. Do you see yourself as highly favored? Do you see yourself as blessed? Do you see yourself as willing and able to be used as an instrument, not just to change a life, but through that life, change the world? point is this, we are highly favored and Mary is highly favored not to gain the presence of God. She is highly favored because she is in the presence of God. You are highly favored. If you have accepted the truth of the word of God, you are highly favored because you are in the presence of God. This ought to change your perspective when you are faced with your next mission that God has given you, when you're faced with your next challenge, when you're faced with your next conversation, when you're faced with your next decision, you who are highly favored. 29 and 30 goes on. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this may be. Well, we've already explained that. Mary's 2,000 years late. She could have heard that right here today. But the angel said to her, oh, here we go. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. But look at what the angel does to calm the fear. Focus in. Now look what the angel does to calm her fear. He repeats himself, you have found favor with God. Don't be afraid. This is something new. This is something scary. This is something I don't know. This is something confusing. Even the angel says, don't be afraid because you're accepted by God and you're loved by God. See, that's why this love of God is this thing that drives out fear in our lives, drives out this timidity, drives out this apprehension. She was accepted by God, and now she is confronted. And the angel assures her, as we are assured, don't be afraid, you're highly favored. Gabriel knew, and I think this is where much fear comes from. Again, we forget that those who are in Christ are highly favored. Not more favored than others, by the way. Paul tells us point blank in Galatians 2 that God shows no favoritism. He loves you and he loves me. But this is a reminder, this is a truth that even, even angels use to calm fear. Whatever challenge we're going to be confronted with is not because God is picking on us, church. I mean, that would be easy, right, for Joseph to think that? It'd be easy, I think, for Mary to think that. You don't don't think that she knows what's going to happen with this? The trouble this is going to cause her? The difficulty this is going to cause her as we go forward? God's not picking on us when you're presented with challenges. Wonderful, wonderful challenges. It's not as though God doesn't know. It's not as though God doesn't care. In fact, church... Perhaps you were specifically raised up for such a time as this. And read through the book of Esther to get a better grasp on that. Sometimes we think that God gave us the short straw, right? We chose the short straw. Perhaps it's because God gave you that straw. Knowing that you are highly favored. Knowing that you will change your life and lives around you by the love of Christ that you show to others. These are wonderful gifts, even in the form of difficulty, even in the form of challenges. 
I think these are the way we need to see them sometimes rather than looking at others and seeing what we don't have. I, I was confronted by this the other day. Uh, actually, we were driving home. Sam told me something, right? You told me something. Yeah. Remember when we were driving home and you were talking about the toy and the candy that the teacher was giving out? All right. Well, I barely remember it anyway. I'll make it up. That's what I do with most of the stuff anyway. All right. <laughs> we were driving home, and, and, and he said, you know, something very unfair happened in school today. I said, what? He said, well, the girls got a toy, and the, and the boys just got some candy in, in school because of Christmas or something. I said, buddy, I, that's the wrong way to look at it. That's the wrong way to look at it. You could have had nothing, right? Instead of these challenges that come from God, instead of these opportunities, instead of Mary being challenged and being asked, being put in a position to be the mother of Jesus Christ, it could have been nothing. It could have been nothing. Yeah, I know there's some other wonderful things that happen in people's lives, but you have wonderful things that happen in your lives. The question is, what are you going to say, yes or no? You're going to recognize that you're highly favored? You're going to recognize that you're accepted and that you're loved and this is an opportunity that you've been given to serve the king? Or are we going to say no and everybody else has got it better? And we said today, people say this around here all the time, how are you doing today? Better than I deserve. You know that? You believe that? You understand those words? 31 and 33 or through 33. Here's the message from Gabriel. You would conceive... Mary, and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. That is Joshua. That means God saves. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. (laughs) Okay, says Mary. Thanks for stopping by. I'll show you out. Gabriel, was it? I'll show you out. Don't call us. It's a pretty heavy message, isn't it? In fact, this message is a little too spectacular to be believed. And this is the temptation to respond in like, respond in kind when we're presented with a challenge in our own lives. We started the message with this. You clearly got the wrong person here. This is not for me. I don't have the strength, the wisdom. I don't have the time. I certainly don't have the convenience You see, we live after the fact. Mary didn't. Listen to this message. First, Mary, you're going to conceive and carry around a child while you're unwed before being with Joseph, and you're going to have to tell him about it. By the way, you're going to do this in a culture that will disown you if you're lucky and stone you to death if you're not. That's the message he's giving her. Take a moment to let that sink in. Take a moment to digest that. I get faced with challenges every day, at least every week. My pride is on the line sometimes. Reputation's on the line a lot, but you've got to not care about that. My life is never on the line, but here's the challenge. Here's the gift. Your life will be on the line. Secondly, this boy is going to be called the son of the most high, so your boy is going to have a target painted on his back all his life as well. This is the challenge. This is the challenge to one who is highly favored. And finally, he'll be a king whose throne will never end. This is pretty hard to believe, yet Mary did believe. 
And there's a big difference in her response and Zachariah's response. Mary began to accept. Mary began to believe the word of the angels. In fact, so much so that she asked, how? Verse 34, how will this be, Mary asked, since I'm a virgin? Again, this question is quite different than Zachariah's question when the angel came to him and told him Elizabeth was going to have a son, was going to have John the Baptist, because Zachariah said, prove it, Luke 1.18, probably just a page over, a few verses back, Luke 18, when Zechariah gets given a message, he says, prove it. How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. First of all, that's a silly question. Um, you're going to find out in a couple months. You're going to know it's going to be proven. That's pretty good proof. But the angel also made him mute until John was born. Here we get the impression of belief, but also wonder. How are you going to do this? Once again, church, with the challenges in our life, we get confronted with the spectacular. We get confronted with the dangerous or the abnormal. We get challenged beyond our wisdom and strength and ingenuity. How much more faithful a response is, how are you going to do this rather than prove it? What do you want me to do? What's step number one? How are we going to get this accomplished? Instead of prove it, remember, faith is trust based upon evidence, not proof. Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. I think this is why we find or why we know that Mary had to be a virgin. Because throughout history, this child will not be known as the son of Joseph. This child will be known as the Son of God. And this is the only time in all of history, in all of our future, that this happens. Mary can cooperate and be part of something that only happens once in an existence. Or she can decline. Or can she? You ever wonder that question? Can she say no? I happen to believe, yes, she could have said no. I happen to believe she could have said, I'm out. I don't think God ever forces us to participate. Now, he puts things in motion. He puts things in action that really makes us look at our life and the direction we're taking. Read the book of Jonah. But he doesn't force us. I think Mary could have said no. And I think at that time, if that was the way, God would have known that and he would have raised up someone else to take on this one in existence, one in a lifetime role. Mary and Joseph would have missed out forever. We wouldn't be reading about their names today. I wonder what we miss out on because we say no. Guys, you think we don't have once-in-existence opportunities? Every time you interact with a person, that moment, that moment never happens again. That's it. Every time you're confronted with a challenge, every time you're confronted with an opportunity to serve, that moment in time comes and goes. That's it. 
we are confronted with once-in-existence opportunities all the time. And this is why I'm looking forward to next week when we talk about the shepherds, the time, the place, the person. Look at verse 37. For no word of God will ever fail. That's what the NIV says. I like, I like the way the NIV says that. If you believe in the Christmas story, you have to believe in everything. If you believe in the Christmas story, we, we, there's, there's, believe it or not, this is, this is a reality. There are folks that believe in the Christmas story but do not believe in the promises of God throughout Scripture. They don't believe in the promises of God throughout time. There are people who believe in the Christmas story and, and, and fail to understand and believe the words of Paul when he says, yes, you, even you, you're highly favored. We like the Christmas story. We believe in the miraculous. But it's so hard for us to believe in God through the mundane. And if you believe in the Christmas story, you've got to take it all for no word of God will ever fail. And so it's decision time for Mary. There are miraculous, at least recorded, pregnancies. Maybe there's a bunch of miraculous pregnancies throughout history, but there's a few that are recorded in Scripture. Hannah prayed and received. Sarah laughed at it. Zechariah said, prove it. What was Mary's response? Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. I, I was at a conference one time, and we had a we had a a prayer session, a prayer time, and we we talked about a lot of stuff leading up to this 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 time of prayer, and we had these these moments of petition, we had these moments of celebration in our prayer time. And then the, the guy that was leading us, pastor from church in North Carolina, he was leading us. He said, I want you to do something else for me before we stop with this prayer. He said, I want you to sit here. I want you to sit here very quietly. And I want you to say these words, but I want you to mean them. I want you to say, Father, your servant is listening. And then be quiet. You see, we are servants of the Most High God if we'll allow that. We have moments, once-in-existence moments, that we can serve in miraculous ways. We have the right and opportunity. Not only that, we have the strength and the guidance to do these things because you, even you, are highly favored by God, accepted and loved. And I'll tell you, if anybody ever tells you different, you tell them to come see me or you come and see me, all right? Highly loved by God question is, is the gift for you or are we just going to pretend it's for somebody else? When it's a moment to submit, to accept, to live out something miraculous. I, I think God chose well with Joseph and I, I, I think he chose pretty well with Mary. Next week we're going to see if he chose well with the, uh, with the shepherds. Shepherds of all people. And yet God uses them for miraculous things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the love that you have for us. We thank you, Father, that we are highly favored, that we are accepted by you. 
the God and creator of, of everything that we see. We thank you that we are accepted through the very thing that we're talking about by Jesus himself. And so, Father, we ask that, that we see these challenges and these, these, these opportunities to work and to serve in, in, in very difficult ways. We see them as the gifts that they are. Jesus was certainly a gift to Mary. She, she had the strength. She had the, she had the wisdom. She had the humility and the trust to say, yes, I'll accept this gift. We thank you, Father, that we can look at your servants, so many, so many servants throughout Scripture, that we can look at your servants, we can learn what it is to serve, to trust. We thank you, Father, for this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and sing.
All right, church, remember, you are loved. You are loved. You're loved by somebody a lot bigger than me. No matter what you do, you're loved. If you accept, if you believe, if you understand, if you apply, integrate into your life the very word of God, not only are you loved, but you're accepted and highly favored and primed and charged and ready for an incredible, incredible mission through life. Take advantage of these once-in-existence moments that we have. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we are loved. We thank you, Father, that uh, we can be accepted through the truth of Jesus Christ. We thank you that uh, you give us a mission in this life. And, Father, we ask that you give us the strength, the courage, uh, the humility, and the trust to say yes. Uh, we thank you, Father, for the, uh, the work of Mary and Joseph and, uh, and the beauty and wonder of Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.